Are you concerned that biblical discipline might cause your children to resent you or worse, to resent God? Has your child's bad behavior and your discipline methods or lack thereof gotten so far out of control that it's time for a parent-child reset? And we're so glad you're joining us for today's Q&A episode. I'm your host, Katie Morgan, and welcome to Parenting with Ginger Hubbard. Ginger is the best-selling author of Don't Make Me Count to Three, Wise Words for Moms, and I Can't Believe You Just Said That. She speaks at women's events, parenting conferences, and homeschool conventions across the country. You can check out her parenting resources and find out when she's speaking in or near your area at gingerhubbard.com. If you enjoyed this podcast and find it encouraging, would you prayerfully consider partnering with us by making a monthly or even a one-time donation? Whether it's a dollar a month or $20 a month, your support helps to sustain this podcast and keep it on the air. Abby in Ohio sent us a simple thank you with her very generous gift, and we are so very grateful and humbled by your support, Abby. Listeners, if you feel led to partner with us, please just go to gingerhubbard.com slash support to donate any amount. If you're a homeschooling mom like me, then you know the excitement of peeling that protective film off a set of curricula, complete with brand new lesson plans. But as we all know, a week or so into those plans, life happens. Someone gets sick. Someone leaves their spelling book at the soccer field. Someone gets stuck on a math concept. And suddenly, those lesson plans are completely obsolete. This is one of the many reasons I'm excited to introduce you to the BJU Press Homeschool Hub. When life inevitably happens and our plans change, the Hub calendar makes any necessary assignment adjustments with just a few clicks of a mouse. But that's not all it can do. I can look at the Hub dashboard and quickly see how my kids have progressed through their courses, what assignments they need to finish, and how many lessons they have before each course is completed. There's also a grade book that will track graded assignments and create report cards. My favorite part is that I can keep track of our wonderful BJU press courses as well as any other outside resources. So I have one tool that keeps track of everything. It's almost like they asked a bunch of homeschoolers, hey, what's the most stressful part of homeschooling? And then they developed an awesome tool to alleviate those issues. Next, I hope they'll get to work on the housekeeping hub. To find out more about BJU Press Homeschool Hub, go to bjupresshomeschool.com and watch the video to learn more. Again, that's bjupresshomeschool.com. Well, welcome back to another Q&A day, listeners. We are really excited to answer as many of your questions as we can uh, this summer. And so we hope that you will be encouraged. All right, Katie, let's hop right in. What is our first question? Okay, Joanna in Michigan writes this. Hello, I am about halfway through Don't Make Me Count to Three. I have a four-year-old daughter and a two-year-old son and am thinking through how to apply instruction with my children's discipline. I am planning to homeschool and hope to be using biblical unit studies to show how God and Jesus are involved with everything. I plan to teach about His grace. However, I am imagining that if for every discipline, if I am involving something along the lines of what would Jesus do or what did Jesus do, are my kids going to turn out resentful toward Jesus? I know it's not a comparison to Jesus, but rather an example of behavior, but I am curious as to what you might say to that. Grateful for you, ladies, and your godly guidance. Hi, Joanna. So the main question here is that if for every act of discipline, your instruction centers around what would Jesus do or what did Jesus do, might your kids turn out resentful of Jesus? The short answer is 
I don't know. <laughs> and neither <laughs> do you. Really, only God in his sovereignty knows how your kids will respond to the good news of the gospel, his mm-hmm. perfect commands and instructions for living the truth and the conviction of the Holy Spirit. You can pray that they'll respond well, but you just can't know for certain. Let me ask two questions here, with each one assuming that they'll either accept or reject Jesus. First question, if you thought that all of your efforts to point your children to Jesus for salvation and change might result in them accepting Christ and living for him all the days of their lives, would you continue to point them to Jesus? Of course you would. Now let me ask you this. If you thought that all of your efforts to point your children to Jesus for salvation and change might result in them rejecting Christ and not living for him all the days of their lives, would you stop pointing them to Jesus? No, of course you wouldn't. If we, as parents who know that nothing is more important than our children knowing and loving Jesus, really think about it, none of us would stop. Because to stop telling our children about Jesus out of fear of how they might respond is to give up on the hope we have in Christ for our children's salvation. It's God's Word and God's Spirit that leads our children to Christ. Without the Word, there is no law and there is no hope. That's why we're told in Galatians 3.24 that the law— the Word of God, was put in charge to lead sinners to Christ so that we might be justified by faith. It's God's law from God's Word that sheds light where there is darkness, which ushers in the conviction of the Holy Spirit. The hope of the gospel doesn't just involve Jesus. The hope of the gospel is Jesus. In John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If we did not point our children to the hope and life they're offered in Christ, what other hope and life would we point them to? When all is said and done, is there anything other than Jesus that's of any lasting value and worth? It makes me think about that hymn. I love the hymn that says, My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. I really think you should have sung that, Ginger. No. Disappointed in Everybody would have tuned out very quickly. (laughs) That would run all of our listeners off, and they would never tune into another episode. All right. (laughs) Edward Moat wrote that hymn more than 100 years ago, and it was by far the most famous one that he ever wrote. And could it be that the reason people cherished and sang that one more than all the others is because it reflects on what really matters most? That's how we should view talking to our children about Jesus and teaching him the holy word of God. It's what matters most. Sure, we can teach them wisdom for daily life, and we're actually commanded to do that. But is there anything more important than their eternal salvation and commitment to Christ? Absolutely not. But Joanna, I I do understand your concern about them potentially resenting Jesus if they only associate him with discipline. So I very much encourage you to talk about the goodness of Jesus as it relates to all things, not just discipline. Mm -hmm. Let your kids witness you acknowledging Jesus and his active involvement in your life and theirs in every area. Talk about how God has answered your prayers and and how His presence in your life ministers to you in clear and personal ways. Uh, Talk about how He comforts you in times of trouble and how He meets your every need and the new things He's teaching you as you're pouring over the Word and as you pray. Acknowledge Him and give Him the glory for all of those things in the presence of your children and encourage them to do the same. 
That is such a great point, Ginger. I think the concern that Joanna expressed is possible or maybe even likely to happen if we only call on the name of Jesus when we're enforcing consequences with our children. Mm -hmm. And if that's the case, if we're only using the name of Jesus while we punish them, then we're likely not doing that in a very loving way. So I can see how that could lead to resentment. Mm -hmm. But I want to add that we can just as easily swing to the other extreme. If we parent our children in a legalistic way, that can also lead to exasperation of our children and resentment will likely follow that. And maybe that's what Joanna was wanting to avoid. But legalism is when we somehow indicate that their salvation is directly tied to their behavior. If our kids come to believe that based on our parenting— you know, their behavior can lead to their salvation, then we are likely parenting in a very legalistic way. Mm -hmm. But sharing God's word with our children day after day isn't legalism. Deuteronomy 6, 5 through 9 actually commands us to do that. And it says this, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. This describes a home that is absolutely saturated, immersed in God's word. And that's our job. Not to worry about whether or not they receive it, because as you said, Ginger, we should leave the matter of changing our kids' hearts to God and God alone. Okay, I'll stop here because I could really get going on legalism. It's one of my favorite topics for some reason, <laughs> and maybe that's because I recognize that my nature is to swing to that extreme. Uh, Ginger, you and I have actually mentioned that topic before as a possible episode, and I would love for our listeners to write in if they have any questions relating to legalism. Yeah, I do think that would be a really great episode. I've heard from many older kids and even adults who have turned away from their faith and are resentful because they grew up in legalism. Right. But you're right, Katie, that is definitely a whole other episode for another time. That's right. All right. Next question. Lori in Oregon writes this. How do I do a parent-child reset? I feel like I'm finally figuring out what I need to do, but my kids are too far gone. They're only one, five, and seven, but are so defiant already. Is there anything I can do? Yes, be encouraged. <laughs> At one, five, and seven, they are not too far gone. You know, we actually get this question a lot. We really do. And it makes me chuckle sometimes, not not making fun, but sometimes it's the mamas whose kids are still so young who ask this question. But when you're in the throes of that phase of life, it is really hard to see the forest for the trees. When you deal with 3,000 discipline issues a day, it can seem like you've ruined your kids forever and there's no turning back. <laughs> yeah, I get that. But the good news of the gospel is for all ages. So That's it right. doesn't matter if it's a three-year-old who's accustomed to throwing 20 tantrums a day or a teenager who's rebelling in every way. No matter how old they are, it's never too late to start training them in the ways of the Lord. Lori, God knew when you would realize the change you need to make. So trust in his perfect timing. I would encourage you uh, maybe just to even sit down with your five and seven-year-olds and start out with just a simple apology. You might say something like, it's my responsibility to teach you guys to obey and to train you in the wisdom of God's word, but I have been allowing you to disobey and to live foolishly. Will you forgive me? 
And then just go over the new standard of obedience, which is for them to obey all the way, right away, and with a happy heart. We dissected uh, these points of biblical obedience on last week's episode. So if you missed that, you might want to go back and listen. And I even encourage you to go back and listen with your kids. Mm. Then go ahead and tell your kids that you're going to start instilling God's word into their hearts because that's what God has called you to do and because you love them. Um, Just say that you're going to start requiring that they replace foolish behavior with wise behavior. Go over that standard and go ahead and tell them what the consequences will be if they choose to disobey so that they know what to expect from here on out. And then be consistent in addressing the issues of the heart by feeding them the Word of God and administering those consequences when needed. If things are as out of control as you say, um, I also encourage you to be prepared for a lot of training instructing Mm. and consequences. It's probably going to take quite some time, but know that as you're pouring scriptures into their hearts and lovingly disciplining them when needed, you are honoring God by fulfilling your responsibility to train and instruct your children. Also be prepared that you might not see immediate change. Sinful habits are hard to break, but be encouraged that even if there are days when it seems that all of your efforts are in vain, God's word does not return void. He is working. So be patient, be loving, be consistent, and be praying every day for God to bless your efforts and do a work in the hearts of your kids as only He can do. Okay, I want to add something here, Ginger, since it's fresh on my brain and since Lori actually used the word defiant to describe her kids' behavior. Now, just to be clear, Lori, I am not assuming that what I'm about to share applies to you, but your question made me think of this. I just did a presentation on parenting in the digital age, so I have all this information swirling in my mind about what screen time does to our kids' brains. And I know from that research that young children, so kids under the age of five, are in the fastest growing category of screen users. Not only that, kids that age often get five or more hours of screen time every day. I'm talking about TV, tablets, phones, video games, even though scrolling through digital photos, watching educational shows, playing educational apps, reading on an e-reader, and texting. All those things count as screen time as it relates to the damage it does to our kids' brains. Now, one book I read in preparation for my presentation is called Reset Your Child's Brain by Dr. Victoria Dunkley. This to me was one of the most helpful and frightening books I read because she opened my eyes to so many of the things I've allowed in our home simply because, honestly, screens are ubiquitous and because I didn't realize the extent of the issues they presented. Here's a quote from that book. The brain does not discern between real or perceived threats and artificially intense stimulation from electronic screen media produces a psychological and physiological fight or flight reaction regardless of content. So in other words, we're not off the hook as long as we're not plopping our kids in front of violent video games or an unwholesome show. Even benign or educational content can cause this same fight or flight reaction in our kids. And then she says, these reactions have both immediate and cumulative effects, which eventually cause damage. And by that, she means actual brain damage. Mm -hmm. So basically, in an effort to give myself a break for an hour or to provide my kids with some, quote, educational material through an app or a show, I was perpetuating this cycle of chronic stress and hyperarousal in my kids. And if I'm being honest, I was living in a pretty constant state of that as well. Now, Dr. Dunkley talks about 
all the ways that electronic screen syndrome, as she calls it, can mimic psychiatric, neurological, and behavioral disorders such as ADHD, oppositional defiant disorder, depression, bipolar disorder, autism, and even Tourette syndrome. That one surprised Mm. me. Now, listeners, please don't hear me say that all instances of these or any other disorder for that matter are caused by electronic screens. I'm not saying that, but do some research. If your child suffers from any of these or even mild defiance or irritability after consuming screen media, do your research and definitely do your research if your child has been diagnosed with any of these or other disorders. End of sermon. Stepping down off my (laughs) soapbox now. Um, By the way, listeners, I will have Heather put a link in the show notes to some of my favorite books on that topic and some articles I found. Uh, Not all these, by the way, are from a Christian perspective, but many of them are. Uh, The ones not from a Christian perspective are definitely from experts in their fields like doctors, PhDs, folks like that. I'm sorry, Ginger. I did not mean to hijack this Q&A episode, (laughs) but I get really excited in case you didn't notice about that topic even if I'm the one who brought it up. (laughs) I also believe that so many of the parenting issues we get questions about could at least be somewhat helped by reducing or eliminating screen time Mm -hmm. from our kids' lives, particularly screen time that is most stimulating, like video games and interactive media. Mm, No, Katie, I'm actually very glad you brought that up. I totally agree with how screen time can affect and fuel behavior problems because I've seen Mm -hmm. it. Screen time absolutely affects the brain, the mood, the attention span, and as you mentioned, a number of things. But one thing I do want to say here is that we do need to be careful to not fall into the worldly snare of labeling in a disorder. And when I say that, I'm talking specifically about oppositional defiance disorder. That diagnosis was new to the 80s. And when it really started catching on in the 90s, I was speaking at a lot of parenting conferences, a lot of homeschool conventions. And so I was talking to a lot of parents who were led astray. I saw a huge shift in the mentality of parents because of that diagnosis becoming so widespread. Um, They no longer felt the responsibility to train, instruct, and discipline their kids for defying their authority. I can't tell you how many times parents came up to me and said things like, I finally understand why my child is so defiant and out of control. He consistently disobeys because he has oppositional defiance disorder. So it's not his fault. Mm. He can't help but to be disobedient. It's a disorder. Now, again, I 100% agree that screen time affects the brain, which negatively affects mood and behavior and attention span. But the Bible says that children defying authority is a sin issue of the heart, not a disorder. Uh, It's been a sin issue of the heart since Adam and Eve disobeyed God in the Garden of Eden, way before screens were invented. So, Katie, I know you're not blaming disobedience on screen time or a behavioral diagnosis. You're just cautioning parents about the negative effect screen time has on the brain. But I just want to caution parents whose children have been diagnosed with ODD. God offers no exception to a child's call to obey their parents or a parent's call to train their children. I completely understand what you're saying, Ginger. I will say that some of those disorders that I mentioned are not like the others. Right. We wouldn't tell a parent of a child with severe autism that their child's outbursts are sinful. So let me be clear. I'm talking specifically about ODD, about oppositional defiant disorder. And that's where discernment really comes into play. But even disorders as seemingly uncontrollable as Tourette syndrome have been recently linked to watching TikTok videos of people with Tourette syndrome, which is... So shocking to me that that's something you could not catch, but you could watch and then develop. Hmm. Yeah, we can't just dismiss 
environmental causes as parents. That's we just can't. Right. That's right. And that's why I'm so thankful, Katie, for all the research you've done on this. Listeners, if you guys missed Parenting in the Digital Age, Parts 1 and 2, please go back and listen to those episodes. They were so eye-opening and helpful. That was episodes 29 and 30. It's important for us to be aware of the triggers in our environments. And uh, as you just mentioned, Katie, to be asking God for wisdom and discernment. That's right. Okay, moving along on to Katie in Tennessee. Hello, Ginger. I've listened to you for many years and just love the wisdom God has given you. My children, 13 to 8, are just in a really bad habit of not having self-control when they talk to each other. A lot of times they just say whatever comes into their heart to each other. I'm having a hard time knowing what direction to take to correct in a way that can steer us out of this heart muck. I love that word, heart muck. I'm going to start using that. Uh, (laughs) Is it possible to turn our hearts so that encouragement comes out more than discouragement. Thank you for your commitment to help us mamas. Hi, Katie. You are so right in saying that speaking discouraging words is a really bad habit. But even more than that, it's a violation of God's command that we speak words that edify encourage and build up those who are listening. Ephesians 4.29 says, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Sinful words are a reflection of a sinful heart. Matthew 12.34 says, The mouth speaks what the heart is full of. So, what's the sin of the heart that causes us to say discouraging words that hurt and tear down? It could be a number of sins. It could be pride, jealousy, envy, selfishness, or just a wicked delight in stirring up trouble. Whatever the root sin, Katie, you're asking, is it possible for us to turn our hearts so that encouragement comes out more than discouragement? Yes, it is absolutely possible because Philippians 4.13 tells us that we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. And therein lies the answer. If Jesus causes a change of heart, that will result in a change of behavior. So I have two suggestions for you, Katie. Since discouraging one another is such a problem with your kids, maybe start out each day just praying with them. Just a simple prayer asking God to help them speak words that encourage and build up rather than words that tear down. That way, that's fresh on their minds first thing in the morning, and they've asked God for help. And when we ask God for help, He's going to help. So it's probably going to be a little bit stronger on their hearts um, to speak words of encouragement if you start your day like that. Then whenever you hear them say something discouraging to each other, be consistent in using that three-step plan that you hear Katie and me talk about so often on the podcast. Uh, Just real brief here. Step one, ask a few heart-probing questions. Um, In this situation, you might ask something like, "Do, do you think the words you just spoke were encouraging or discouraging? Did those words build up or tear down your brother or sister? How would you feel if those words were spoken to you? And then point them to the Word of God for replacing what is wrong with what is right. Talk to them about Ephesians 4.29 that says that we are to put off unwholesome talk and put on words that are encouraging and beneficial. So you might ask, what could you have said to encourage your brother or sister? And if the child can't come up with anything and they need some help finding some encouraging words, just go ahead and offer a suggestion. And then, most important, have the child practice by saying those words. This is teaching them to not just put off foolish communication, but to put on wise communication. Now, I want to make sure that I'm covering all the bases here. If the situation isn't so much them saying words that discourage and tear down, but more of an issue of just not communicating with self-control, the same sort of training can be helpful. Uh, Say that one child says to the other, I don't want to play your stupid game anymore. You could just tailor your questions accordingly to be specific to that situation. 
honey, is saying that your brother's game is stupid helpful for him to hear? Are those words encouraging or discouraging your brother? How can you communicate what you're thinking and feeling with self-control in a way that will be more beneficial? And again, if the child can't think of a better way and you have to offer a suggestion, it might be something like, I don't mind playing your game, but could we take turns picking what we play? How about we play my game this time and then we play your game? Be willing to step in on those conflicts and help them to recognize the sin that's in their hearts and then have them practice communicating with self-control and using words that are encouraging and beneficial. Have them practice, 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 and then have them practice some more. It's not about an overnight change in behavior. It's about having them exercise spiritual wisdom from God's word over and over and over until it becomes part of their lives. Man, Ginger, those are the key words. Over and over and over until you die. (laughs) (laughs) But it really does take years Mm -hmm. of this kind of repetition sometimes to see those changes in our kids' hearts. We do get emails from frustrated parents who say things like, I've been doing this with my child and it doesn't seem to be working. But we find out the child is four years old. (laughs) It's just not practical to expect drastic heart changes in a child who, number one, is still constantly growing and learning. And number two, likely doesn't have the help of the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. So it takes a lot of patience on our part to continue to instruct in love, even when we see little or no change in our kids' behavior. Now, Ginger, I feel like we could and maybe should say this every episode, but it's not our job to change our kids' hearts. I think we all instinctively know that, but we don't always react as though we believe it in the heat of the moment with our kids. That's right. And that's one thing that we as parents need to hear over and over and over. Our job is to train and instruct our kids in the wisdom of God's word uh, to point them to their need for Jesus and to pray that God will do a work in their hearts as only he can do. Now is the part of our show where we give a quick tip for parents. Today's quick tip is courtesy of Megan in Pennsylvania. And she says this, Thank you for your wonderful podcast. It is so encouraging and helpful as we parent our two-year-old son. We used disposable diapers, and something I started doing early on was keeping a few plastic grocery bags on the shelf under our changing table. Whenever our son had a blowout diaper, (laughs) I would just throw the diaper immediately into a bag, and then all the wipes went in there as well, then tie the bag up and throw it in the diaper pail. It saves you from trying to fold up a gross diaper and all the inevitable oozing... Like she's giving so much description. <laughs> and I, 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 it's so much fun watching Katie's face. <laughs> and it adds an extra layer of smell protection once it's in the pail. And then she adds this. She knows what she's doing uh-huh. here. She adds, P.S., sorry for a tip that makes you gag, Katie. <laughs> and it does make her gag. <laughs> she's great. And you're she's literally so great. I, I am my face. No, my face is red. <laughs> I could not stop laughing and gagging when I first read your quick tip, Megan. Uh, I love how well you guys already know me. That's so fun. And it just doesn't take that much to get Katie gagging. No, and I've had three kids. It's really fun. (laughs) If you have a quick tip for our show, we would love to hear from you. It could be any random tip about cooking, housekeeping, something you do with your kids, ideas for fun date nights with your spouse, anything at all. We would love to share your ideas on the podcast. Just go to gingerhubbard.com slash quick tips to submit those. Well, Ginger, we've covered a pretty wide range of topics here, and I do hope it's been an encouragement for parents as they navigate these long summer days. Well, I guess unless you're in the Southern Hemisphere and you're navigating long winter days, that just always blows my mind. Mm -hmm. Uh, Ginger, can you leave our listeners from both hemispheres with a final (laughs) word of encouragement? 
Yep, whether we're sweating in the heat or shivering in the cold, let's keep on keeping on. Let's take every opportunity we can to talk to our children about the good news of the gospel and the hope we have in Jesus. Thank you so much, Ginger, and thank you, listeners, for joining us. If you enjoyed our show and want to hear more, please subscribe to our podcast wherever you're listening. And while you're there, can you leave us a rating or a review? This helps us get the word out about our podcast so that other parents can be encouraged to reach the hearts of their children. Do you have a parenting question? We invite you to submit it at gingerhubbard.com slash askginger, and we'll do our best to answer it in a future episode. And while you're on the website, you can find our show notes, which will include links to anything we mentioned in today's episode. While you're on gingerhubbard.com, you can find Ginger's wonderful resources that will help you get to the heart of outward behavior and address it from a biblical perspective. Today, we're offering both of her children's books, co-authored with Al Rowland, at a 10% discount when you use the code parenting at gingerhubbard.com. Sam in the Sticky Situation is a book about whining, and Chloe in the Closet of Secrets is a book about lying. Again, just use the code parenting at checkout and get 10% off of both of those books. If you'd like daily encouragement and parenting advice from Ginger, be sure to follow her on Instagram at ginger.hubbard. Speaking of encouragement, Ginger is now offering live stream presentations for MOPs, Mothers of Preschoolers, and other moms groups. For more information, have your group coordinator fill out the contact form at gingerhubbard.com. Thank you so much for joining us today, listeners. We look forward to being with you again next week. Until then, may God bless you as you seek to reach the hearts of your children for the glory of God.